Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, November the 3rd, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles with Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Solomon ended chapter 5 with some encouragement for the child of God. Eat, drink, and find enjoyment in all the toil under the sun. This is the gift of God. Those wonderful words for us to show, uh, to us to be reminded of for our daily tasks and the daily vocation that we have in Christ. And in chapter 6, we receive some wisdom concerning our possessions, go where they go and the lack of satisfaction they find in them. And for me, I think about a song that I've heard from Rolling Stone, I Can Get No Satisfaction. That is the words that we hear this morning, and ultimately, it points us to Christ. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boyce-Claire, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's always a joy. God be with you. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> thank you, Pastor. Pastor, tell me, well, first of all, I uh, hope you had a blessed Reformation Day, a blessed All Saints Day, and obviously today as well. So what's going on for you and the saints at Faith and Bethesda? Well, we're always, as as you said, the gifts are ready, uh, and uh, that's <laughs> that's always a joy to us that uh, we are, are always ready to receive the bountiful uh feast of our Lord every Sunday in, in the, his precious gospel and in the holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're continuing to uh, um, bask in his love and mercy. Well, wonderful. So it, you know, one of the joys I had this year was that Reformation Day was on Sunday to be able to celebrate yeah. that and uh, say by grace alone and faith alone through Christ alone. And one of the one of the joys I have is tell the kids, you know, when you go to the when you go to the house or someone's house, you don't say happy or trick or treat. You say happy Reformation Day and see how it goes. So um, did you have anybody <laughs> say happy Reformation Day to you when maybe they're getting treats or throughout the community? I, I wish I lived in Minnesota because then I would have heard that. And, and I, I, I live in the wilds of Missouri, but I, we love we love our state, too. So uh, that's right. I think that's a, that's good advice. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they, they said, uh, well, to ask them to say what they want. <laughs> Sometimes mm. they come in, come up to the door and they're they're so cute. Uh, they open their their packs and and just open their packs. You know, you they drop the candy and you know, uh, and they say, "Well, what do you say?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? And and well, we should just put a sign up that says "Trick or Treat Not Here," but Happy Reformation Day is even better. But anyways, yeah, and and right. my heart my heart's a little bit grieving because um, my children really don't go trick or treating anymore. They're all past that stage, I suppose, and then. A well, joyous time was uh, my my daughter on All Saints Day took her driver's test and she passed. So it was uh, a lot of fun to be able to um, see that. But also you grieve because I still remember when she was a bumblebee, when she was, you know, <laughs> only not even yeah. a year old. And so, or excuse me, she was over a year old at that time. But yeah, so my heart's grieving. But of course, Reformation Day points me to where my hope is. So anything else, Pastor, Amen. you want to highlight before we begin? 
Well, uh, one thing I, 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 it's interesting, Ecclesiastes is, is kind of an unexpected treasure, you might say. Yeah, um, yeah. When I, I was, I remember I, uh, my professor in college uh, at, at uh, Concordia Senior College in Fort Wayne, that was like uh, 50, 40 years ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I mentioned, I, I, know, I wanted to make note that uh, like the book of Proverbs is like basically um, uh, ethics, you might say, uh, you know, li- uh, live life well, be faithful to God and you will be blessed. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Ecclesiastes is the uh, book which tells, asks the question, why? You know, or, you know, in other words, it, if you have ethics, then you have what they call meta-ethics. In other words, it questions, you know, what, where, where you're coming from when you're telling people that if you're good, then you're going to be blessed in life. But guess what? That doesn't always happen. And Ecclesiastes kind of shows you the dead end for that type of thinking where, you know, in other words, worldly thinking. Uh, and and it, 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 it's, it basically shows the dead end that the world has without God, without Christ. Um, and um, it's interesting that uh, yesterday I attended a funeral, and um, the preacher uh, used as his text uh, Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than fine ointment, and uh, the day of a man's death is better than the day of his birth. And I said, oh, boy. <laughs> and, and, right. and, you know, if you look at it, Luther talked about three lights. Uh, he talked about the light of nature, the light of grace, and the light of glory. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, tries to show us what the dead end of the light of nature, that, that there are no questions for why bad things happen to good people or why God doesn't intervene to fix things or whatever. Only the light of grace answers that for us. But then there are also questions that the Bible doesn't answer, and those, of course, will be answered for us in the light of glory. So, mm. uh, but the preacher, you know, it's interesting, he, he used that text, and I thought to my, and, 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 and I was thankful to God, because I was kind of looking at it uh, not not in a in a in a wide perspective, but I was thinking, wow, that's that's a real uh, depressing thing to have a sermon preached on, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the idea, if you look at it in the light of nature, is yeah, the day of his death is better because his life has been so miserable. You know, the ancient Greeks used to said, you know, the people that are truly happy are those who never were born. You know that that type of pessim, pessimism and that type of darkness, uh, and, and without God, there is nothing but darkness and and doom and gloom. Um, and the the thing is, was the preacher at the end said the day of death is better because that's the day he goes to be with the Lord, <laughs> and so he pulled pulled the iron out of the fire. <laughs> And he pulled it off, you know. So that was a good, good thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Lutheran service, uh, you know. But sure. but again, like I, I commend, I wanted to commend the preacher because I because it was uh, it was comforting in the fact that that he pointed the people to Jesus. And that's you know that's a great uh, beginning overview of what we're talking about because those are exactly the words the Greeks um, would say that if if you do not find if it, we're looking at the light of nature. Yeah, it's better to be a stillborn, and we're going to hear that more today. 
But we yep. live in the light of heavenly things. We live in the light of Christ. And so we have to remember that there's always more and there's always more hope because we do not grieve as those without hope because we do have it in Christ. So a good reminder Amen. too, Pastor, that there's two people you should pray for at every funeral or at every service. One is the preacher, that they preach the truth of Christ and his resurrection. And the other person is the pastor sitting in the pews because we have a tendency to listen and over-evaluate as opposed to receive the gifts. Am I right? Right. You, I think you couldn't uh, uh, nailed it any better. That's exactly that's exactly right. So, oh my God! We so, pray for our, our brothers. We you know we're we're happy in our our circuit that we have a, a brother who who uh, every you know on a certain day he will pray for one of his brother pastors and he uh, he texts them and says I'm praying for you today, and and what do you want me to pray about? And, you know, so that that really is, is such a wonderful spiritual communion when we pray for one another in that manner. Absolutely. So, Pastor, on that note, can you uh, ask the Lord's blessings for our time today in prayer? Certainly. Heavenly Father, you give us the heavenly wisdom of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, there is no hope. Without him, there is no joy. Without him... Um, everything is vanity of vanities, as the preacher says in our uh, book today. We pray that you would guide us as we study this word. Help us to find, find the uh, good things in your word, the gifts that you would give us in our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions concerning Ecclesiastes, you all know, as you've heard Pastor Boyce Glare, he's done his homework. He's always looking at all the sources, so he's a great person to send a question to today. KFUO at KFUO.org, or call us, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor Boyce Glare, you have started us off talking about the light of nature as opposed to the light of Christ. We've also talked about, he talks about striving under the sun, but we know that we are ones above the sun. Um, not the sun, Jesus, but above the sun, meaning the heavenly things, that we live in the light of the sun as we look at Ecclesiastes. So, Pastor, we come to chapter 6. There's a lot of good stuff here. How do you want to begin our time? Well, I, I, I think we want to maybe look and see what the preacher has to say to us, and and, and, and I think I think he really uh, puts his finger on 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 just some of the things that people that are worldly must face. You know, he's saying like, if you have everything, do you uh, are you enjoying it? You know what? What's the what is the benefit of of having a great amount of wealth or or a long life? If you're if you don't enjoy it, you know, which is which is some really good, good uh, gems of wisdom that that he's giving here. That's a good point. I remember when oh, I'm trying to think of the situation. So I, I've always been like one that would like to work out. I love to work out. I've done this since high school, love to lift and all this. And, and there's a lot of times where our coach would say, you know, guys, we want you to lift and we want you to be safe and all of that. But there's going to be some times you're going to drop weight, drop a weight, you know, a barbell or a power clean or something along those lines. And he would say, don't freak out about it because you don't buy stuff 
in order to keep it perfect, you buy stuff to use it and to enjoy it is kind of how you would say. So if he, he was kind of telling us that about the weight room analogy, and I think that's true for all of life, is how can we enjoy the gifts that God has given to us, whether it's in the weight room or our homes or our lives. And I love how he said it, just saying, are you enjoying this? And that's a good question for all of us. It's a, if we actually believe it's a gift of God, are we enjoying it? So I think that's a great for, way for us to begin our time as we look to joy. So, Pastor, are we ready? You want to go in the first few verses? Yeah, why don't we? All right. Uh, reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, and we are reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 6, beginning with the first two verses. Solomon writes, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet, God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. So, Pastor, you started us off on this. What is, I mean, this is, this is strong words for us to think about today, because I think it's something that we have to consider for ourselves. And what is he telling us? Well, it, it, it's like, um, uh, first of all, the, the, the neat thing about these verses, it says it is God gives wealth. You know, it's not like I, 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 I went out and I earned everything myself. I, I, I always I, I remember as a boy seeing the film. It was called Shenandoah. About it was started. Jimmy Stewart and had his family. They're trying to stay out of the Civil War, and and uh, whenever he would uh, be in a, a really nice uh, uh, meal with his family, a real beautiful spread, and you know a big family and everything else like that, he 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 prays this way. He says, "We uh, har- we uh, sowed the we." tilled the soil, we planted the seed, we uh, reaped the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. Oh, yeah, we want to thank you, God, anyway, you know, just all the same. You know, so, so you know, it's kind of like the thing is, is that this uh, ver- these verses tell us where the source of any good things that we have in this life. And and it remind it, it's kind of like a implicit reminder that we are merely stewards of what God gives us. We don't we don't own it forever. We can't take it with us. We can't keep it forever. And and uh, you know in, in in a sense what's what's precious about these verses is it says if they if people do not enjoy what God has given them then that is a grievous evil. Uh, the, um, in the one commentary, the Kyle Dalich, that's a real old, mm. uh, 200-year-old commentary that I, I picked up for this, said it's a, 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 a evil sickness, uh, or, or it's vanity. It's, it's, it's um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't have any, any, um, any weight to it. And so that's kind of the idea that's, that's working at work here. And this is where it's a great reminder for us because that that's really strong language is a grievous evil. Cause you think about, are you actually enjoying this? And this is kind of how people talk when they want to get a new job and say, well, are you enjoying your job? No. Okay. You should get a new job. Um, but so it's not like a simple uh, transition that we have in this life or whatever it might be is if you are not enjoying what God has given to you, this is a grievous evil. And to me, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that because it's not just a, you know, you're not, you're just not doing as well as you could. Like, this is evil. 
how would you describe that to someone, Pastor? Because like we don't talk that way very often. Like, no, that's evil that you're doing right there. How would you describe that to someone in your pastoral way? Well, uh, we'd say that God wants only the best for people. God loves people. He is the ultimate philanthropist. He, he, uh, you know, in in, in a sense, I mean, and the world, and if we look at the uh, book of Genesis uh, in the first chapters, you know, God, God created the world for people. And, um, and as Christians, we know that it is our Lord Jesus Christ who is over the universe and he governs the universe for the benefit of his church. Um, you know, it, it, it's like there's something wrong when, when like, and a lot of times this this type of um, uh, discontent that comes uh, is is because um, we want more. You know, there, there's like a, a greed that's involved there, and envy, and and all of those things. Uh, but but I think godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, mm-hmm. That we cannot, uh, we 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 cannot. We brought nothing into this life, and then we take nothing out, um, you know. And that's that's kind of the idea there. Uh, is is you know you've got you've been blessed, or maybe maybe people have been blessed that they 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 haven't undergone calamity. You know, I always I always think of this time when I almost my father and I were were he we were driving down the highway. Uh, and and dad, my dad was taking me to school at the at the college where we go, were going, and and we almost uh, slammed into a, a stop, stall, or you know there was a traffic jam, and and by the grace of God he he changed lanes and went into the. I'm thankful to God that I'm still here because God let that lane be open where my dad could put uh, send his car, or or uh, when maybe five years ago I was driving down the, uh, the highway and or we were driving down the highway in St. Louis and and uh, uh, someone hit us and, and, and we were in the like the left lane and um, uh, spun around and I thought I thought we I was a goner because I thought the cars you know the, the cars go so fast down the highway and they hit us but the uh, Missouri Department of Transportation uh, blocked the highway closed the highway off. So God acts in such a wonderful way to care for you. Don't you appreciate it? You know, that may be a kind of a thing that I would say to someone, you know, because a lot of times people are, are you know, they, they, they get spoiled, maybe. Right. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're like a spoiled child, you know, well, I got everything I want. I'm not, uh, you know, it isn't what I, how I want it, you know, or whatever, uh, or I want more. You know, or I envy my friend who has, uh, or my uh, companion who has more than I do. And this is a, a perfect way for us to think about this, because Solomon is speaking from his own experience. It tells us in chapter 2, where he says, whatever my, my eyes desired, I did not keep it from me. So basically, he had everything, and he realized, as you said so well, the dead end of trying to find hope in that because he always wanted more. He had everything, but yet he wanted more. And we're going to talk more about that when we get to appetite and we get to vanity and we get to jealousy and all of the things from that point on. I wanted to highlight one thing with this is he speaks about this dead end and he, he puts it right in front of us is he says, okay, you're going for all this possessions and honor. You want to have everything, but then you die and somebody else enjoys them. Why wouldn't you be the one to enjoy them? 
And I thought that was a, a really good, and I guess I've seen this in my own life where someone saves all this stuff and later on someone else enjoys them instead of the person who actually earned it. And I was trying to think about how to put that all together, but I think you, you put it together well. It's about faith. Do you see this as a gift of God or something you need to hoard away for yourself? Any of your thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I think that's exactly true. It's interesting in our congregation, uh, we had a, a, a unfortunate individual who was a hoarder and and would and just stockpile all kinds of of things that they had no use for, um, and and uh, then um, uh, her survivor. You know, her husband uh, donated all of the stuff to our thrift store, and our thrift store was very successful because all, here, here was all of this, all of this stuff that. Uh, what, but I mean, and that was a case where uh, maybe the ones that uh, enjoyed the things that were stored up by this person uh, was was a blessing. Uh, but 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 you see that right. the whole thing is is why are why does such a person um, just hoard everything? And then and, 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 and they don't really enjoy it themselves. It's just they got so much of it that that they don't, uh, you know, enjoy it. So and then and then guess what? Maybe they have somewhat irresponsible individual that will just waste it. So so what was the purpose of them, uh, you know, going through all that trouble to, to uh, pile it up? And I think that's a perfect way for us to continue. We have a few minutes left before our break. And so I want to read from verses 3 through 6, because it really is a, a continuous unveiling of this main point. Are you enjoying what the Lord has given you? Verse 3. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he has no burial... I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it, moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, does not all go to the one place? Now, verses 3 through 6. He uses a few ideas, um, fathering a hundred children, living a thousand years. What is he capturing in these words? Well, uh, you know, like, for instance, maybe some of the patriarchs of, of uh, Genesis where, you know, Adam lived to be 930 years, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the idea, the, you know, Having many children is considered a a, a blessing in the like as as the as the psalmist says, as as arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of one's youth. Happy shall he be that has his quiver full of them. He will not be ashamed. He will speak with his enemies at the gate. So, so you know, you're, you're talking about someone that has a lot of security in life, you might say, or worldly security, and then and 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 then you have this, uh, you know comparison uh, between a stillborn child. Uh, you know, it's interesting that, that uh, the Apostle Paul says, uh, speaks about himself as being like a stillborn child because he was the last of the apostles, you might say. Uh, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in, in other words, the last one that the Lord uh, directly called into the office uh, of the ministry as an apostle. And he was like one untimely born uh, in, in this particular case. That's, that's often a comparison that's used. 
uh, in in um, Jewish or in Hebrew and Jewish wisdom. So it wouldn't matter if you had a hundred kids, which would be a blessing from the Lord. It wouldn't matter if you lived a thousand years. If you found no joy, it was better that you'd be a stillborn. And that can be that, that's pretty. That's another strong language. Solomon. It seems like in the middle of this wonderful book. I mean, he's really bringing it full octane at people here because he's using very stark um, uh, ideas and analogies to look at. To say it is better for us, for him to be a stillborn, that's pretty direct. What is he saying? Well, it's exactly the opposite. That is the exact opposite of, of living a thousand years. You know, in, in other words, it's like you haven't lived at all. You know, it's it's like he's comparing that type of scenario where you do not uh, have any joy in life to being not having lived at all. You know, it would be better if you never lived. That's kind of the idea that's being brought out here. And he says that for there is vanity, when it comes to vanity and goes in darkness and darkness, its name is covered. This was a particular verse, and I know you do good study, so I'll put you on the spot here. Verse 4 kind of struck me. I wasn't sure how, what to do with it exactly. What is verse 4 telling us? Um, you well, see, in, in other words, it's like uh, that's, that's, he, it's more of an explanation of what uh, a stillborn child, uh, the, the, the character of what it is to be a stillborn uh-huh. child. Mm-hmm. And, and what's inter- what I found interesting is that the word hevel is used— um, in there, uh, where it's interesting that uh, Adam and Eve named their firstborn Cain, which is which is gain or or gaining, and and Hevel is like a breath, you know. So so it's almost like you had in the two children of Adam and or two sons of Adam and Eve, you had you know like the gain the gaining of of wealth and so on, and then you have the vanity of the of a mere breath. <laughs> and so on, and and uh-huh. that's that's uh, just, this something I just noticed by by the word hevel uh, in in Hebrew, and and it just basically kind of uh, you know it gives you a picture of of what he's talking about. It's it, that's the neat thing about Hebrew. It's is there's like a poetic parallelism. It'll say uh, one thing one way, and then in the next verse it'll say the same thing in a different way, and so you really get to understand. Uh, what the Holy Spirit is telling us here. Now, with about a minute left before our break, he tells us in verse 6, even though we should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. What is he referring to in the one place? Well, that would be, of course, Sheol, or it would be the place, uh, you know, in other words, a grave. Um, that That's kind of like what we would say. Um, and, and that is all that the light of nature can tell us. Um, you know, I, I remember witnessing to someone telling them about Christ and he says, well, it, it really doesn't matter because, uh, when, when we're dead, that's it. Um, and, and that's all that worldly wisdom really can lead us to. Um, and, and, uh, the, the neat thing is that God reveals to us that, that our physical death is not the end of us. And that's kind of like, uh, and, and really, of course, uh, Solomon here is saying, you know, that is the result of human wisdom. Is just that that's all it can offer us is just to say, well, you know, when you're dead, that's it. You know, when you're physically dead, that's it. Um, but the light of grace tells us there is a life after death. And it's in the light of grace that we 
study the word today, but right now we need to take our break. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 6 with Pastor David Boisclair, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 6 with Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. And Pastor, we've gone through the first six verses. We've gotten halfway through, and I'm feeling this amount of evil under the sun language that keeps coming back. And it's it's a good reminder for us because often we can try to... Uh, cover things cover cover dirt up with whipped cream and act as if it tastes good um or you could use any analogy you want or you put ice cream over feces and you say oh see it's it's good there's no problem here what is it what, what, what is that's opinion? an excellent excellent uh, <laughs> excellent <laughs> vision well you know what it, it it really this is a preaching of the law isn't it mm-hmm. this is this is how the the law is just so clearly presented in these verses you know it, it that's that's what the law uh, delivers us to is to a dead end that in, by by intention by god's intention to show you know we cannot make ourselves right uh, righteous by the law or or there is you know there is no hope for eternity in the law what and and not that the law is not from god not that the law is not the word of god not that the law is not good it's just that um uh, it 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 offers us no salvation. And as it tells us, I mean, the law, as you know, as you talked about the funeral that you attended and the funerals that we will preach at, is that the law is sitting right there in that casket. You know, the 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 sting the sting yeah. of the law is death, and people see it, they they feel it, they they understand that what was there is no longer there, and this is where the gospel does come in. But there are times that we need to hit it even harder. Usually people will get it at that point, get their attention, but yet we still try to put that whipped cream on the top and act as if it really is not there. But here, Solomon is saying, do not all go to the one place, showing us that, you know what, if this is it, that's what we have. But that's not it, because as you say, we're in the light of God's grace. Pastor, anything else in the first six verses before we move on? Yes, I, I, I think that uh, I, just to saying everything goes to the one place, uh, you know, is a, is a theme, you know, or man is like the beast that dies or something yeah. like that. That's yep. all that worldly wisdom can give us uh, outside of uh, some of the fantastical, um, magical types of thinking that go on. 
Well, let's keep moving forward because now we get to an appetite. I just gave some analogies that probably don't make you hungry. At least I hope they don't make you hungry. Um, but now we're going to talk about appetite and um, how appetite can lead us astray. No doubt about it. So verses 7 through 9. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Now, Pastor, I want to dig into that word appetite a little bit, but I first wanted to ask if you something you want to highlight in those verses first. Well, yeah, it, it, it's basically, I think uh, in verse 8, it talks about the person that knows how to conduct himself before the living. That's the person that is a knowledge of life. You know, what, what, is the, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? You know, uh, that, that's kind of like a person that has the wisdom to be able to uh, live his life in this world in, in the best possible way by the grace of God. And, um, you know, I, I also like, you know, maybe in verse seven, you know, it says the, the toil of man is for his mouth. You know, a talk is mm-hmm. cheap. <laughs> yes. right. I think we were told by our teachers in, in grade school, uh, you know, in St. James, of course, in his golden epistle uh, tells us about uh, how, how much the tongue can, uh, can create havoc in life. And that definitely uh, makes this language kind of difficult. It's not quite as clear as James. Um, you know, James is very black and white. You're very clear what he's saying. So verse 7, he says, The toil of man is for his mouth, but his, yet his appetite is not satisfied. How would you describe verse 7? Well, you know, like people like talk a blue streak a lot of the time, you know. Uh, you know and, and of course, people, I think it's wonderful that people have dreams. Uh, or, or plans for the future. You know, it's better than those who just sit out like a l- l- uh, lump on a log or something, or bump on a log, and 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 do nothing. Um, I, I can say, like in my own family, you know, when my my parents uh, were aging, uh, they they got to the point where, uh, you know, I, I'd call them and say, "How, hi, uh, mom, how are you doing?" She, and 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 she would say, uh, "I said, what are you doing? What are you going to do today?" She said, "Nothing." And it, and it kind of got a situation where my father uh, was, uh, you know, kind of getting uh, senile or, and, and he had Alzheimer's disease. Uh, and so my mom wanted to try to uh, revive him by getting getting in the car and driving around and doing things and, and everything. Uh, so but but in this case, uh, you know, people are very, very they, they, they are very talkative about what they plan to do or maybe what they, you know, know what they have or whatever, uh, but but yeah, and and in the fact that their appetite is not satisfied is it's like you know there is that restlessness uh, or the, there is that hunger for more, uh, you know you know I wish I had a million dollars and what would I do with a million dollars kind of a kind of like an idea there, and and uh, you know that that really it, it really speaks to uh, humanity uh, how people uh, live in this life. And it's a reminder for us that, like you said, there's clearly things that we need to be doing. It engages the mind. God has given us a body to be able to use physically. It gives us a mind to use in an effective way. But at the same time, we have to challenge ourselves to ask, 
am I doing this and am I trying to find satisfaction in something the Lord has not given me to find satisfaction in? Um, are mm. you spinning your wheels? Are you going around and around and around? Is this bearing fruit? Are you just, you know, doing things that you really do not enjoy? And I think about this quite a bit in my own life, um, because one, if you're sitting around wondering about what you really enjoy all day, well, then you've missed the point already. <laughs> Because all you're doing is thinking exactly. about what you enjoy. <laughs> so, and then at the same time, each person's going to have the fruitfulness of 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 that. And I think a lot of times, for example, we had a, a as I look at All Saints Sunday this Sunday, one of our blessed um, uh, saints here at Messiah passed away this year, and he was an avid gardener. He was a, a uh, a master gardener. He had worked for the county. He was a science teacher for many years. The man absolutely loved getting his hands dirty and working with plants and working with the garden and everything else. And boy, did he find joy in that. For me, I find no joy in working in the garden. Like it just, it just does not bring that. And I think part of it is for him, it was a, a matter of faith that he trusted in the Lord and knew this was all a gift. And for me, um, I don't have that, but it is something you look at and go, wow, there the Lord had given him the gift of joy. Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's weird. This man could be my father. My father was an avid gardener and farmer. He, he kind of uh, spent some of his uh, early years in life on a farm in, in rural Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, my dad used to say, when, when, I'm, when I'm working with the soil, I, I feel close to God. Or, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, a lot yeah. of times people find yeah. God in nature. Uh, you know, how, how simple. Uh, or, or at one time you say, you know, it, it's, so, it's so honest. It's so, uh, you know, so simple where you, 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 you uh, till the soil, you plant it, and it grows. It just comes up. Uh, you know, by the grace of uh, God's uh, providence and everything, but but I mean, the thing is, is is, is that um, um, it wasn't so much that he was uh, growing the these uh, you know the, basically a vegetable garden or, or 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 you know in other words, there there's there's a, another person I know that loves just simply growing flowers. Uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to get uh, produce, uh, you know, and it isn't just getting the produce. It's just the satisfaction of of, of working. And, and that I think the uh, the uh, author of, of Solomon, as he, he's talking about the the suite of a laboring man is sweet. You know, it's a you know, you get contentment uh, in, in, in what you do and what you enjoy doing. That's that's going on. And so in verse 9, it gets to some other, so I want to continue with the appetite understanding, but some of the language is not quite fully understood as we look at this in verse 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and striving after wind. And so what does he mean, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite? Well, I mean, looking at things straight on, um, you know, maybe um, being able to see, being able to understand, um, you know, you, it, it's kind of like you're, you're, you maybe look at, look and see what you have and uh, do not allow your, your appetite to, um, uh, you know, lead you in the, in the wrong direction of, of wastefulness. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It, it, I remember a, a Bible teacher saying that it isn't it isn't uh, because of uh, uh, like knowledge or or um, 
that that we have such a uh, big um, economy. It's because of appetite. Appetite, of course, is what it's a reason why we have a billions and billions of dollars uh, in, a, in an economy, because people have an appetite. <laughs> and, and a lot of times this appetite is, is not in accordance with common sense. Uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, it used to be years ago, I mean, our, our, our parents had scrimped and saved during the Depression, or in my case, my parents lived during the Depression, and, and they, they would defer their getting, getting what they wanted until the time when they could afford it. Uh, but, uh, you know, in our day and age, it's like I, I see it and I want it, I get it. And, and it doesn't matter what is in the bank account. Uh, and, and that's kind of like being led by one's belly, you might say, or appetite. And I think about, yeah, like you say, if you go into infomercial channel or you're you're looking at commercials, what you didn't want two minutes before, all of a sudden you think you have to have, and then you have it, and then you notice something else on TV. It compared compared to going back to what I was talking about with whipped cream on on dirt or something, is I could eat whipped cream all day and I would never be satisfied because there's no nutrients to it. There's no fiber in it. I would never get full, but I'm thinking the whole time that I'm being satisfied when I'm never satisfied because it you, you just it's just you're you're eating fluff all day. And so I think that's part of what he's saying too. You can see things right. and you're able to have fruitful joy over seeing that because you know it's God's creation. This is God. But when you're looking for your appetite and you get hungry, you know, you get hangry. I don't know if you get hangry, I get hangry. And then it affects your whole body when the appetite is controlling everything. So I, that, those are some of my thoughts. Any of your last thoughts on that? I think I think you really nailed it by by saying that. Uh, I think uh, it's interesting. I think in the um, uh, explanation of the text, uh, the the commentator says maybe these were like uh, margin marginal notes or something that were added into the text. Um, you know, I, I'm well, the Holy Spirit, I guess, decided to do that. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but but it's it's kind of like. Um, you know, maybe you you kind of maybe determine what what he's saying about the sight of the eyes, uh, what 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 is so good about that, or why is that a wiser course than appetite by looking at what appetite is, and then you can kind of uh, get a, 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 an understanding of of what he's driving at here. And it definitely gets into the problem of envy or coveting, and in verse four, or excuse me, chapter four, verse four. Then he says this, then I saw that all the toil and all the skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. And in Dr. Bolhagen's um, commentary, he speaks about how these verses really bring us to the dangers of envy. What are the dangers of envy as you hear, as you preach and teach envy and coveting and jealousy? What's the dangers there that he captures here? As the Apostle says uh, in his epistle, uh, coveting is idolatry. And, and, when we, and we want, when we want something or when we uh, begrudge something towards someone else, uh, you, know, that's, uh, you know, that's evil. That's, that's um, um, idolatry. You know, it, it's kind of much like Satan does. You know, when we're, we're kind of like Satan, Satan begrudges uh, those who are the blessed in the Lord. He, you know, I'm sure he he, he thinks he like, like you look at the book of Job where, you know, he's saying like he's he's so filled with with envy that he says to God, you know, well, if you take away everything Job has and he's going to curse you to your face. 
Right. You know, that's right. that's the way of evil. That's the way of, of selfishness. And and uh, that 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 shows the, you know, just the poison of sin. So as you look at the last few verses, I just want to make sure verses one through nine, like it begins uh, verses one through nine with there is an evil that I've seen under the sun. So he is he is he is taken off the um, the boxing gloves. He is ready to go all out and tell people exactly what is happening. And then he ends with vanity and a striving after wind. So hopefully this kind of perks up the ears of what Solomon's speaking to and also for us. And before we get to the last few verses, which I think kind of captures a new idea, what how would you describe the first nine verses for us today? Well, it, it's kind of like, uh, basically, the the manner in which the law, as well, shows us the uh, uselessness of trying to establish our own righteousness before God. Uh, you know, also in in this this particular case, it's kind of addressed to uh, the people in the world who who are well to do or or or, or have a lot of of, of wealth and uh, kind of gets them to uh, look at themselves and see what the course of their life is. Uh, you know, what have you accomplished? You know, it's kind of like the thing is you're, you're just spinning your wheels trying to get somewhere in life. And, and uh, you know, he says it's, it's all vanity. Uh, it, it, it's worthless. It's not, or, or, or there is, there, it's pointless. That's, that's kind of the idea that's, that's going on here. And, and it's a look at the pointlessness of your life. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded I, I, there's a there's a film about uh, the um, death of Christ uh, known as Barabbas. It's based upon a novel. The novel is is garbage because it ends with uh, just total um, uh, pessimism and, and, and gloom and, and despair. The, the film is a is a beautiful example. You have the, this Christian martyr that is witnessing to his fellow um uh, fellow uh, gladiators, and he says, "What is the purpose of creation if all that there is is for us to uh, live and, and spawn children and 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 die? Uh, you know, is that God's intention in bringing people into the world? And 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 so it's it's kind of like it's it's, it's we should be looking." for a, you know, a, a clearer insight, you know, a, a, a higher light that God can provide to us. As you look at this, I think it also, and that's, that's a perfect uh, uh, spinning of the wheels, I think is a good word, and it brings me back to the song, song by the Rolling Stones, Satisfaction, where it says, and I, were, you, were you a Rolling Stones fan, Pastor? Oh I, well, I like some. I like some of their things. Uh, I like Jumping Jack Flash. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember they were sort of like the rivals of the Beatles, and there there were three groups. When I was little, uh, you know, I knew about the Beatles, and I knew about the Dave Clark Five, and I knew about uh, the uh, Rolling Stones. And I remember my grandmother. You know, it's, my my parents used to say, "Oh, your grandmother's always on the cutting edge." You know, she says, "Yeah, here is an article about the Rolling Stone." You know, she was um, a no. immigrant from Germany, you know. <laughs> and, so, uh, anyway, but yeah, but I think that that song really expresses this, doesn't it? Does, it? It, it, it kind says, of encap- encapsulates uh, the, the message of, of Ecclesiastes. Because it says, I can't get no satisfaction. It says it again, I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try. 
I can't get no, bum, 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 I can't get no. And it goes through the uselessness of information on the radio, on the TV, um, when I'm riding around the world, all of this, I can't get no satisfaction. I can get no is how the song ends. And that's perfectly, it's almost like Rolling Stone, Mick Jagger were reading Ecclesiastes and then they wrote this song because it shows us how we're spinning our wheels in our lives. So, so for all of you, our listeners, you now know that Rolling Stone might have had some word of God in their um, ideas as they were writing these songs. Anything else before we get to the last few verses, Pastor? Well, like, like the birds, uh, the birds you know, yep. to everything, turn, turn, there is a season, you know. So they, they kind of liked using Ecclesiastes. And, and even though it isn't my favorite book of the Bible, it still has a lot to teach me and teach any of us as Christians. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get to the last few verses. We have about five minutes left in our time, Pastor. So verses 10 through 12. Whatever has come to be has already been named. And it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives a few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? So here we, we kind of get into the hiddenness of God, trying to understand maybe a um, just understand the things that we just can't understand about God, and he's throwing it out there and putting us, I guess you'd say, in our place. How is Solomon um, wrapping up the chapter? Well, it, it, again, uh, he's saying there is no answer if we look at it with the light of nature or with worldly wisdom. You know, and, and Scripture does speak against worldly wisdom, um, you know, basically, uh, St. Paul just characterizes it. Hasn't God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You know, where is the scribe? Where is the debater? Where is, where is the, uh, you know, the philosopher uh, in this world? And, and, and the true wisdom, of course, is in trusting in a crucified man that he has uh, taken all of God's wrath upon himself and he brings us, uh, come, comes that he may give us life and give us abundant life in him, in him and his uh, precious gospel. And he, it reminds me of the kid's song, you know, I am weak and he is strong. Is that the reference we have in verse 10 where he's like, listen, you can't fight God. God, God, God is weak. God is strong and you are weak. Is that kind of a reference he's saying in verse 10? That was one thing I, I kind of ran into, the stronger than he. Language. Well, I, I I think you you've basically applied this verse to uh, you know to the, the the work of of bringing the word of God to people is, is that uh, that who who else is there than God? Even Christ says, "Don't fear him who can kill the body, and after that is not able to do anything else. But fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell." Uh, you know, again, you know, that's not a very pleasant uh, uh, thing to think about God. But, you know, God deals with evil. God uh, is opposed to evil. And and, um, and and I think that that's a that is probably a very good, uh, you know, application of this verse. And then he speaks about the more words, the more vanity. And it makes you makes you realize the more we hear, the more we talk, which 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 brings a problem because as pastors, 
we just talk. I mean, we can talk forever. And here he's kind of telling us not to. And this is in previous chapters as well. How does that play out in our lives? About a minute here before we move on to the last part of our text. Uh, what does he mean? More words, more vanity. How does that play out? Well, uh, like I said, uh, you know, the words that uh, human wisdom provides are, are, are worthless, uh, you know, in comparison with eternity, you know, how is that, you know, even if we study about science and science that says that the, the universe is 10 billion years old or whatever like that is, how does that help me? You know, how does it help me that there were dinosaurs on the earth? It doesn't help me whatsoever. And whether that's true, you know, only God knows. But I mean, the, the thing is, is, is that, uh, uh, you know, any type of worldly wisdom is, is useless when we look at eternity, you know, how, how am I going to spend eternity? You know, uh, you know, the Bible says that there are two places that I go either to uh, be with Jesus or, or to be in eternal uh, damnation. And uh, my desire is to be with Christ, which is far better. As it says in Philippians chapter one, I want to say this short note, and I want you to summarize our chapter for today. In our congregation, we have a surgeon and he's a wonderful Christian man. And one of the times we were talking about seeing uh, to live out our vocations and to speak about the glories of God in creation. And one of his comments was that the more he has learned about the human body, the more he realizes how little control he actually has. Not to say, he said, he didn't look at a body and say, well, I can't fix that knee or I can't, he's an orthopedic surgeon. But he spoke about how, how, how amazing it is that the body works and how he always has more to learn. And you could tell in his language that he was speaking about the lens of faith. To be able to look at it, it wasn't a spinning your wheels whatsoever. It wasn't like, what's the point of learning more? It was, I want to learn more because I'm able to see how this is all in God's hands. So this is all a gift from the Lord. And he was literally speaking to us, and it was like there was a joy, a wonderful joy of his vocation and to be able to see God at work. And so, Pastor, I see that as a great way for us to look at the end because life is, yes, but a shadow, but yet the glories are all around us. And about a minute left, your pastor, how would you summarize this chapter of Ecclesiastes? Yes, I, I think that we, we see how abundantly God loves us, and God wants us to, he, he wants us to be happy, truly happy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so God has provided everything that we need for this life and the life to come. And that, of course, is what we confess in the first article of the creed, which points us forward to Jesus Christ as the only way for us to gain eternal life by trust in him and his great redemption that he has provided for us in our place. Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word of wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for being our guest. It's, it's my joy. May, may the Lord bless all of the listeners. Saints of our Lord, Pastor said it so well that we can look at everything in the light of nature or in the light of God's grace. And for us as Christians, we see the cross and we can see everything through the light of grace. It is not like the Rolling Stones song that we often will feel. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I try. I can't get no. 
but as ones who see the light of God's grace. This isn't a Snickers commercial either, trying to find satisfaction in a candy bar, but we find that satisfaction in Christ, the faith he has given, the joy that he had going to the cross for you. In him, we have satisfaction through everything. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.